third episode of Sexplanations, an escort's A to Z of sex, the podcast that covers everything you ever wanted to know about sex and then some. I'm Ginger, your host and resident sexpert. How's everyone's week been? This episode is going to be released slightly late. I normally like to put my episodes out on the Friday, but I am respecting the mute non-black content movement that is going on at the moment. The idea is that we mute content that's not created by people of colour in order to give them a bigger space and to amplify their voices, which I am completely happy with. Um, I won't use this episode to go on a rant about systemic racism, I'm doing that on Facebook daily. <laughs> but one thing I did want to highlight is that the industry that I've chosen to work in has its risks. And I've accepted that those risks are a part of the job. For black sex workers, the risk is so much higher as they're often seen as less than. And if you look back at serial killers who have targeted prostitutes, a lot of their victims tend to be black and they are perceived in investigations as the less dead, the perceived by the the killer is less dead and what I mean by less dead is they lack the value that a white victim has when the killer is looking for a target he sees a black woman he thinks nobody's gonna miss her and when the police investigate the crime they think this doesn't matter as much because nobody's gonna miss her so that's just a bit of food for thought I'm still sex free at home unable to work on the side hustle. Interestingly, on the 1st of June, it was made illegal to fuck somebody who doesn't live in the same house as you. Um, Any escorts that were considering going back to work will now have that as an added um, incentive to not go back, as well as the ongoing global pandemic, obviously. Towards the end of this week, though, it does appear that there has been a U-turn on that, as the government has issued guidelines about how you should have sex with somebody outside your house. Which makes me think that maybe someone like Boris Johnson is having an affair and doesn't want to get caught up in the illegality of that. Also, how would they have policed that ban? I just have these images of the police breaking down someone's door and saying, put your hands up, put your dick down. (laughs) I've also been dipping in and out of cam work, but if I'm being honest, it's not really for me. I think the lack of physical connection makes it feel really forced. I'm not very good at dirty talk on command and I feel like I'm Ross in Friends when a sexual partner says, speak dirty to me, and he just goes, vulva. (laughs) So that's my uh, level of sex talk ability. I think you're either a cam person or an escort person. And I think that's the same for clients as well. I think they either prefer the cam girl or they prefer the escort. So down to business. This week, we are on the letter C. C is for consent. You may find it odd that I'm discussing consent on a podcast that's designed to help you have better sex, but bear with me, the relevance will become clearer, I promise. Shockingly, I haven't always been an escort. I didn't come out of the womb with the sassy attitude wearing stockings. (laughs) I've had many different jobs in many different industries, and I also do have a nine to five job as well as this all of which has helped to shape my outlook on life. 
previously I've worked in a role that supports young people and this is where I discovered that there are some serious issues surrounding consent. What I mean by this is that it's not really spoken about and when it is, it's spoken in hushed tones, in the dark, so nobody can hear you speak about it. When in reality, consent needs to be something that we are screaming about from the mountaintops, something that is instilled in us from an early age and taught in schools. You should be taught that your body is your own and nobody gets to touch your body unless you give them permission. According to the Office of National Statistics, around 20% of women and 4% of men have experienced some type of sexual assault since they were 16. Now, don't forget that these are based on reported cases of assault. So in reality, the stats are much likely to be higher, particularly amongst male victims, as societal views and pressures mean that they're less likely to come forward, as it seems even more shameful than it would be for a female victim. In a time where we have famous A-listers like Cosby and Weinstein that are finally being held accountable for their sexual assaults, we all need to be looking a bit closer to home to make sure that we really do understand what consent is, when we need to ask for consent and what counts as consent. This isn't going to be a lecture. I don't want you to think that I'm sat here on my high horse um, telling you you're doing it wrong. I just want to make sure that everybody who is old enough to have sex and is listening to this podcast knows what consent is. So let's bring it back to basics. The technical term for consent is the voluntary, enthusiastic and clear agreement between participants before they engage in any sexual activity. For example, if you have said yes to your partner that you will have sex with them, that does not mean blanket consent is given so that they can introduce another participant. So you can't go from a twosome to a threesome without asking permission. Another example is if you agree to have vaginal sex with your partner, that doesn't give them permission to then stick it in your ass. You've only given consent for one of those. They have to seek consent before deviating from an agreed game plan. Let me be absolutely clear here. There's no wiggle room or space for discussion when it comes to consent. If there is no consent, there is no consensual sex what you have done is rape and that my friend is a crime consent must be clear it has to be unambiguous for every act you wish to engage in with somebody if you don't ask for it it can't be given so don't ever take silence as the equivalent of consent because it's not and something i will interject with here if you are in a relationship or are looking to have sex with somebody who's been the victim of sexual trauma or violence They often freeze up and they often go silent. Don't take that as a sign that everything's okay. Ask them, verbalise it. Consent is ongoing. If you have confirmed everything's okay at the start, don't assume that you won't need to ask for it again. If you want to switch things up, get a bit frisky, change the position or introduce a toy, you need to ask for consent again. You can't just be going on having normal missionary position sex and then trying to stick a butt plug up someone's ass without asking. Ask first. Remember that consent can be withdrawn during the sexual activity. We are all allowed to change our minds. I just want to pause here and talk about something that happened in my previous role. I encountered a young man. He was uh, younger than 20. He came to see me for support. He was incredibly tearful 
and he explained to me that he had sex with a new partner and that person did not stop when he asked him to he carried on and then when he'd finished he acted like nothing was wrong and kind of in a manner that assumed everybody enjoyed that experience this guy was in physical and emotional pain but the thing that was more shocking for me was that yes he was upset that the partner didn't stop when he asked but he didn't know that when you withdraw consent and the person doesn't stop that's rape he had no idea and that shocks me that shocks me and it is testament to the fact that many people don't have a full and clear understanding of what consent is and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode based on consent. Consent must be coherent. What do I mean by this? Basically, a person can't give consent if they're physically or mentally impaired. For example, if you encounter a person who is catatonically drunk, they can't say yes to having sex. If you think about the Brock Turner case in America where he was happened upon by other students while he was having sex with a girl who was clearly passed out, You can't give consent if you're not conscious. There's a great diagram that I'll share uh, on Instagram to go alongside this episode that shows a man trying to ask an unconscious person if he'd like a cup of tea. No matter how many times or ways that this cup of tea is offered, it can't be accepted because they're unconscious. And it's the same with consent. It's a good rule of thumb. If the person can't say yes to a hot beverage, they can't say yes to having sex. In my previous job, I supported a girl who had really fuzzy memories of a work night out. She knew she drank too much. She remembered taking shots in between rum and cokes and pints of beer. And then the night turned darker. She had fragmented memories of a colleague who she thought was kindly putting her in a taxi home. But she actually awoke with him on top of her with his penis inside her. She says she doesn't remember saying yes, but in her own words, she was so drunk that she might have forgotten. Even if she did say yes in this situation, she is impaired, and that's obvious, and therefore she can't legally give consent. And again, I had to explain to this girl that she'd been raped. It's a horrible thing to have to do to somebody, but it's important that we're all on the same page when it comes to consent. So consent has to be given freely and willingly. If you badger somebody until they finally give in and change their mind, that's not consent, that's coercion. If you're married or you're in a relationship with somebody, you still need to obtain consent. That ring on the finger, the mortgage or the shared dog does not equate to consent. Nobody is obliged to fulfill the sexual fantasies or appetites of anybody else. And a relationship or a marriage does not change that. So you might be asking yourself, when do you need to seek consent? Simply put, you need to ask before you engage in any kind of sexual activity that covers touching, kissing, groping and intercourse. So you may now be thinking, how do you ask? As with everything, you'll hear me say this in every single episode that I do, communication is key. What I mean by this in this context is that both you and the person that you wish to have sex with must be comfortable enough to talk about consent. Just like you would talk about your needs, your boundaries and the fantasies that you have. 
There should be no fear of any consequences of being honest about consent. And if someone tells you what they will and will not engage with, you don't have the right to be angry or upset. And if you do become insistent and push your partner into something that they've said they don't want to do, that's coercion and that's a crime. So what if they give consent but then their body language changes? If this happens and the person becomes hesitant or looks uncomfortable, do a temperature check. Ask them if they're okay. Do they wish to continue? Are they enjoying it? Everyone involved, I would say both parties, but sometimes it takes more than two to tango. Everyone should be enjoying the experience. And if this isn't the case, it stops. In a perfect world, asking for consent would be a subconscious act, something that we do without thinking about it. Something that's naturally part of the process. Don't view it as a mood killer or a negative. It's not. And you don't have to have a clinical interview beforehand where you're both wearing white coats and checking responses on a clipboard. There are ways to ask consent that don't feel awkward. Get to the point. Ask, can I do this? Can I do that? Use your own fantasies to open up the conversation. So you could say, it really turns me on when you're on top and we're having anal sex. Is that something you want to do? Is that something you'd like to try? It can be heat of the moment. Ask as you're going, is this okay? Do you want me to stop? Do you want me to keep going? How far do you want to go? Remember, consent is clear, ongoing, coherent and voluntary. Always keep that in the back of your mind. There are verbal and non-verbal ways that people can either give consent or people can assume that consent is given. Obviously, the verbal cues are much clearer. The meaning of words like yes, no, stop, don't stop are clear and should be listened to. Non-verbal cues may be less transparent, but you still need to be able to recognise them. If you are having sex with one person on a regular basis, you will slowly and surely build up the knowledge of their non-verbal cues. You'll know what that means. But at the start, they may not be that clear. If you ask a person if you can kiss them, for example, if they draw you closer or respond by automatically kissing you, then that's a pretty clear indication that you've got consent. On the flip side, if you ask someone if you can kiss them and they push you away, shake their head, avoid eye contact or say nothing, then they probably don't want you to kiss them. Even if you're seeing what I call positive non-verbal cues, you should always confirm with actual words. Let's be honest, it only takes a second to ask is this okay? Remember that people who have experienced sexual assault or trauma might freeze or silently give in to the request to get it over and done with. That's not consent. You need to get them to verbally confirm that everything's okay. So, quick recap. Consent can be withdrawn at any time. Being married or in a relationship does not mean automatic consent. Coercion is not the same as consent. Using threats, intimidation or guilt to get someone to change their mind is coercion and that is a crime. Silence does not equate consent. Consent is always ongoing. Agreeing to go home with somebody is not the same as agreeing to have sex with them once you get to their home. If you are trying to have sex with somebody who is physically or mentally impaired, don't. Don't be a dick. They can't give you consent. If you use your power, authority or trust to coerce someone into having sex with you, that's not sex, that's rape. And like I said before, remember, consent is clear, ongoing, coherent and voluntary. If you or someone that you know has been a victim of sexual assault, I know that it can be incredibly hard to know what to do. But 
listen very close to me as I say this. It is categorically not your fault. Nothing you said, did or wore is a valid or legal excuse for a person to assault you. You are not dirty, you are not broken, you are a victim and you are a survivor. Reach out to somebody that you trust. That can be a family member, a friend, a teacher, somebody at the university you work with, a colleague. It doesn't matter who it is. It's so important to not go through this alone and you don't have to. My recommendation would be to report it. I know it would be hard, I know, but the perpetrator has to be held accountable and punished. Nobody should be able to get away with raping someone or sexually assaulting them. Absolutely nobody. And these days, the police tend to have special officers or teams that are trained to support victims of sexual assault. And there are loads of charities and not-for-profit organisations that can offer support and counselling. And I will provide a list of these on Instagram and Twitter so that if you need them, you can find them. You're not alone. And if you feel like you are and you have no one to talk to me, you have me. Ginger is here. I will talk to you and there will be no judgement in our discussion. You're not alone, I promise you that. So what about consent and sex work? The need for consent is not simply restricted to a sexual partner. It also applies to sex workers too. If you hire an escort, you might be paying for a service, but in this scenario, the customer is not always right. Consent works slightly differently because it is a transactional interaction as opposed to the interaction you would have with a husband or a partner. So before agreeing to a time, a date or a price, my advice would be to let the escort know if you're looking for any specific fantasy to be fulfilled, such as some parts of BDSM. So if you're wanting to punish an escort or be punished by the escort, or if you're looking for something like water sports or hard sports, not every escort offers the same list or menu of services. So you shouldn't assume that your fetish will be catered for by every escort that you encounter. During the booking, keep communicating and ask rather than assume that the escort is happy to do something. I know that when I'm with a client, I want them to have the best experience possible, but I know that I still have the right to withdraw consent at any time. So if you are with an escort and he or she does say stop, stop immediately, don't make a fuss, don't get angry. You're not entitled to take what you want just because you are paying. But also remember, you have the right to withdraw consent at any time. And they must ask permission before deviating from any agreed upon game plan. They can't simply stick a finger up your ass without asking. It, consent works both ways. So remember that. Sex is rooted in pleasure. And we always want to make sure that everything we're doing enhances the experience rather than detracts from it. Consent is a vital part of the experience and the process and it should never be overlooked. It should be a a subconscious thing to ask beforehand and the more you do it, the less awkward it will feel, I promise. Welcome to Advice Corner. So I had a listener get in touch via Instagram. They asked me how you'd go about steering your partner in the right direction. And what I mean by this is they enjoy deep French kissing. It's a big turn on for them. The listener said it makes them feel like a a giddy teenager again. But the problem is their partner isn't very good at it. They just stick their tongue in and go at it like a spin cycle on a washing machine, (laughs) which doesn't have the desired effect. 
So my advice in this instance is there's nothing wrong with guiding your partner to ensure that they're doing a good job. Because in reality, whatever they're doing, they want to please you. And if it's not achieving the desired result, then a little bit of direction is very useful. In this instance, I would ask my partner to stay still and tell them I'm going to kiss them. But I don't want them to move their tongue. During that kiss, I would do to them what it is that I like to be done to me. And then I would ask my partner to repeat it back to me. You've not said, you're shit at this. You've not told them, I don't like it when you do that. You've guided them gently into getting the desired result. Um, You don't have to be heavy-handed in this instance. There's nothing wrong with gently correcting their behaviour. Another example, if they're rubbing your clitoris, but they're not actually rubbing your clitoris, or they're rubbing it too vigorously or not vigorously enough, you can either demonstrate on yourself and say, this is how I like it, or you can just move their hand to what whatever it is it should be if someone's giving you a blowjob and they're not doing it the way you like ask them to go harder go softer use their tongue more these gentle directions will just make sure that everybody's having a good time as i always like to do i have looked into some trashy magazines and found um quite a good uh, scenario that an agony aunt has given some advice for it says Me, my wife and our baby live with her mum. My wife went back to her job and I worked from home. One morning I was sleeping when I thought I felt a fly on my cheek, but it was my mum-in-law coming on to me. We've ended up having sex and we've been at it ever since. While I can't get enough, I love my wife. It's a pity I can't have two wives. Any advice? The response from the agony aunt says, just because she started it, don't think for one minute that you are a victim, you know what you're doing, stop the relationship with your wife or stop the relationship with your mother-in-law. If it's going to save your marriage, move out. You've bitten off more than you can chew and you're going to end up choking on it. For once, I do quite agree with what um, the agony aunt has said here. The mother-in-law and the husband have got themselves into a lose-lose situation because somebody is going to get hurt whether that's the mother-in-law, the wife, or the man in the middle of it. This situation isn't going to end without mess. My advice would have been to not get in the situation to begin with. If the temptation is there, then you need to remove yourself from the situation. And doing it with the mother-in-law, I think, is probably a lot more painful for the wife than doing it with some randomer. And it could risk the poor wife losing contact with her mother and her husband. Very, very messy, but a great trashy magazine dilemma thanks for listening and i hope you enjoyed the show i'm now on apple Podcasts, so i would be so so thankful if you could leave me a review and subscribe wherever else you can as it'll help me reach a wider audience if you have any questions or comments please get in touch as always you can find me on instagram at sexplanations uk and on twitter at sexplanations uk join me next week where i'll give you the d as always stay safe and stay sexy (laughs) 